Good morning. Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own this morning, that we may hear your word and the vision that you have given Chapelwood through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. Hear these words. For by, the break, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, and the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, but be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The best stories begin with Once Upon a Time. But before I begin with my story, just some uh, brief housekeeping. Pastor Peter is on board, crewing the SS chemistry as we speak. Uh, he is sailing with the Ramses out of uh, Louisiana, coming back home to Texas. So um, he's sh just struggling this morning, I'm sure, to be on that sailboat. It's just a challenge. Uh, but no, some well-deserved vacation and time away for him. So prayers for uh, them as they travel across the Gulf on that, um, on that sailing vessel. Once upon a time, there was a little girl. And uh, she was a uh, Texan, uh, but eventually her parents got a job up in Michigan. And so she uh, you know, got spirited away, had to move up to Michigan to be uh, with her family. As uh, most families are, they moved together for work. And uh, she was up there, and she would lose herself for hours on end in her room, uh, reading J.K. Rowling and Veronica Roth and Suzanne Collins and just fall in love with these heroines and heroes of these books. She would love how the heroes and heroines would be kind of swept up in this greater story, and she would sort of long for sort of the adventure that they went on. She would long for sort of the, the love and romance that they encountered, and how they would find purpose and meaning in their lives. But she began to go a little stir-crazy because as a Texan, right, she was used to mosquitoes, she was used to humidity. She was used to the heat and good Tex-Mex. Uh, one thing she was not used to was snow or ice. In Michigan, if Texas has those things, Michigan can boast of their snow and their ice. They have a lot of it. And so during the winter, she would go a little stir crazy and she would look out her little apartment window with her family and she would see children and kiddos sort of playing in the park. 
one such day, she noticed that they were on the ice, moving around in circles, and she wasn't quite sure what they were doing. So curiosity, curiosity got the best of her, and she put on about 17 layers to brave the Michigan winter and walked up to the park and down to the, um, the ice there, and she noticed that they were skating. Now, she wasn't a very good ice skater because she was a good Texas girl and can't do that very much in Texas. And so uh, she was kind of curious and started to walk on the ice, and lo and behold, there were a couple extra pairs of skates there. And there was uh, maybe a dad of the group, and an older gentleman said, why don't you grab those pair of skates and come out and, and join us? She was like, no, no, I, I'm not very good at this. He said, well, no one is really good the first time they try it, right? It's okay, go and put on the skates and come on out. So she did, she put them out, and she, you know, went out and fell many times and didn't know how to stop, didn't know how to turn, didn't know how to do anything. So he kind of grabbed her hand and showed her the ropes, right, and moved around. And she eventually kind of fell in love with skating and did it uh, for the coming winters. Uh, A few winters passed, and this group of kids still were there skating around. And then he said, I noticed that you've sort of taken to skating. Uh, I know you're a Texan girl, but here you are in Michigan, and you got to win in Rome. And so uh, he said, how about that I get you your own very pair of ice skates? She said, oh, no, I can't can't really do this. He said, no, really, let me get you your own very pair. So he did. He bought her a, a pair of beautiful hot pink ice skates with awesome red neon flames down the side. And he said, why don't you come and, and keep skating with us? So she did, she did, and she got very, very proficient at skating. She got very good at skating all on her own. She began to, to master all the techniques of skating for herself. And so uh, as time does, it went on, and a few more winters came and went. And he said, um, I noticed that you've gotten really good at skating. The gentleman said to her, and she said, yeah, I have, and I'm really enjoying it. He said, well, what if I told you that I didn't get those skates just for you? but I got them because we want you to be a part of our hockey team. And she was like, I don't know the word hockey. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never played hockey in my life. I said, no, 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 I, I, I see in you an ability that is few and far uh, in the field. I think that you'd be, we need a goalie. And I need you to come to practice. We'll put on some pads and I think that you'll be great at it. She said, that's really outside of my comfort zone, right? Uh, skating is one thing, but being a goalie is another. Uh, and he said, no, really, I think you can do it. Come on. And so she did. She kind of stepped out in faith a little bit. She went to practice, and she joined the hockey team and realized that all that skating that was, she thought was just for her actually found a fuller meaning on the team. All of a sudden, her gifts and talents made that team so strong. And I could go on and on. They won a championship. She got a college scholarship. And she fell in love with hockey. And I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that, right? where maybe you've longed for maybe your place in a greater narrative, or you've wondered how just sort of the gifts and talents that you have fit in with everything else. If you've ever been given a gift, but you couldn't quite figure out how to use it, and you needed someone to guide you or suggest a way to use that gift, where you were looking just to plug in, and then once you found it, it just clicked for you. So our passage today comes from the book of Romans, and it's always good to remind ourselves of a couple things when we come to Scripture, right? And if you've been in my Sunday school class, you hear me say these words all the time, so I'm sorry to uh, just keep beating the dead horse, but I'll do it anyways. That the Bible was written in a particular time, in a particular place, to a particular people. And so when it talks about, like, the you, right, in Scripture, it ain't you, I'm so sorry to break it to you, right? But it's somebody else. Paul is writing to folks uh, to address certain issues. 
And we need to be reminded of that at times. We need to be reminded that the Bible was not written in English. And that's okay, right? We need to remember that the New Testament was written in Greek. And that's been translated. And we uh, need to remind ourselves that Paul is the author of Romans. Now, Paul is a very uh, interesting character, interesting historical person. Paul used to be called Saul. And Saul, his job was to go around and persecute. That's a polite way of saying murder. Persecute all the Christians. That was his job. He got paid for that. He was like a Christian assassin. And then he was on a road to Damascus, and Jesus said, Yo, he had an encounter with the risen Lord. And all of a sudden he goes, My world is upside down. And Saul changes his name to Paul, and he goes from chief persecutor to chief church planter. Right? It's like a complete... Uh, just job change, right? His, his CV no longer makes sense anymore. And so he goes around and says, I just, I plant churches now. And the people that used to know him said, you do what? <laughs> like, that's what he does. He plants churches. And so when we read in Romans, we're really reading a letter. We're reading Paul's email to the church at Rome. And Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. It's debated over how many books he wrote, but it's important to remember these things. Like Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It was probably written by Paul. First, Second Corinthians. You might have heard of some of these books. Those are written by Paul. He wrote 11, 12, 10, 7. Who knows, right? A good amount of the New Testament was written by Paul. Important to recognize. So he's writing to the church in Rome. And Paul, he's like the church consultant of the day. It's like when all the committees are messing up, they go, we don't know what to do. Our trustees just won't function, and our SPRC is out of control. Let's call Paul, right? So they call Paul, and Paul has to write a letter to them. says, here's how you should run your finance meeting. So this is what Paul does. He's the church consultant of the day. And he's, he's writing to clear up some teachings, to settle some disputes, and to handle personal business before he uh, shows up in Rome. And we're reading his email. So some observations about that text that we heard out of the book of Romans. The first is we are told that there are lots of gifts for the community. We need to recognize that all those gifts, those different gifts, right, stem from one spirit. You can learn all about the gifts of the spirit if you want to read more in 1 Corinthians and Romans. Paul will list them all for you. And the idea here is that all of us have different gifts. And I don't know about you, but um, it's important to recognize that's the key word, right? The key word is different not better, right? So it's one thing to sit in a meeting with Pastor Peter and go, man, I wish I could lead like that. But I can't, because I ain't Peter, right? That's his gifting. Or you sit in a Sunday school class and you go, I wish I could teach like that. It's okay, you can't, you aren't them, right? You're you, I'm me, that's it, we're different. We've been given different gifts. And the question is then, how do those different gifts work in the community? Why were we given these gifts? The first is we were given the gifts so that we can bless others, right? We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. We've been blessed with the gift of teaching. You've been blessed with the gift of leading the choir. You've been blessed with playing the piano so that you can bless others. It's like the skates. The skates weren't for her, right? They really weren't for her. They were for, for the team. They're supposed to be a blessed. We're blessed so that we can bless others. We come alive when we're plugged into our community and our gifts are used for the glorification and the building up of the community. Paul uses the metaphor of the body, which we heard Pastor Peter talk about last week. I think it's a powerful metaphor, right? The hand can't say, I just want to be feet. And the feet can't go, man, wish I was ears, right? It's like, no, the feet need to do the feet's job. Is that good grammar? I don't know. And the hands need to do the hand's job. 
the ears, they got to be ears. And so we shouldn't be saying to one another, oh, if only I could preach like Pastor Peter, if only I could lead a meeting like so-and-so, if only, no, we just have to be ourselves and exercise the gifts that God has given us. And when we exercise those gifts in the community, our community becomes more full, more vibrant, and more alive. So different gifts are given out, and those different gifts have different values. There is no greater gift, just different ones. And we aren't all the same, thank the good Lord. And these gifts are to be used to build up the community. So this raises another question for me, really, is what should our community look like if life takes a village, and thank you all for being a part of my village, and if faith takes a village, and we all learn from each other, we all grow from each other, what should our village look like? I think the good news of that question is that how that looks is really up to us as the village, right? God gives us the gifts and the vision to raise a generation of faith, and then we are ultimately responsible for fleshing that out as a community. And we have the opportunity to use our gifts in unique ways that are unique here to Chapelwood. So let me tell you all that I've been doing ministry my entire adult life, which, uh, you know, might surprise you, isn't necessarily that long. I know I look pretty um, old or young. I don't, whatever. Dep- depends how old or, or young you are. Um, but I've been doing ministry my entire life, and I've done ministry from the cornfields of Indiana to the beaches of California, the mountains of Colorado, to the Ohio River Valley and the foothills of the Appalachia and the Gulf Coast of Texas. And the unique thing about Chapelwood is that there is a clarity of mission and vision here in this place. When we are being appointed under the bishop, um, associates are kind of matched up with different... This is how the sausage is made, by the way. Uh, You know, we are (laughs) matched up with other senior pastors, and you get to interview. And I was interviewing with Pastor Peter and seeing if Chapel would be a good fit. And he said, you know, you have the opportunity to do a couple of different things. Mine got away from me earlier in first service. It happens all the time. You don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, You have the opportunity to do a couple things, right? You got the opportunity to sort of build it while you fly it can be fun, exciting, or you have the opportunity to go somewhere because you know what the plane is wants to do. I think that's powerful that Chapelwood knows that our vision is to raise a generation in faith. And so you don't have to sort of build it while you fly it. It's already here. And all we need is sort of to walk in that direction together as a community. I can tell you that there's been a lot of good work done around that mission and vision, and I'm sort of late to the party. Some of y'all have been to Chapelwood a lot longer than I have, and so you're well aware of the good work being done in raising a generation in faith. From hiring of full-time student ministries persons, to a, a new preschool director, to new ventures in the preschool programming, to hiring on new children ministry staff. We've seen the average age of the staff drop to reflect the average age of Lake Jackson and sort of our community. And yet there's still good work that needs done. We continue to vision and dream about facilities that more closely reflect our mission, vision, and values. And we continually need different people with different gifts serving in youth and children. And there's a huge need for new and different outreach opportunities in our community. And we need those ideas to come not from the leadership, but to come from the village, to come from the people. Not the village people, but the people of the village, right? You got the idea. So we need those ideas of outreach and mission to come from y'all. And so I wonder, what is next for Chapelwood? 
how are we faithfully living out this dream in our village? Um, my wife and I are getting ready to take some vacation, so we went to go visit some friends. And on the way back from visiting, she said, so are you preaching tomorrow? I said, yeah. And then, uh, it's always funny when my spouse doesn't know if I'm preaching or not. Uh, and, then, and then she said, well, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, I'm preaching on the vision of Chapelwood, you know, to raise a generation of faith. And she goes, huh, well, well uh, what's that mean, right? And I was like, that's a good question. What, what does that mean, right, to raise a generation? And she goes, is it, is it just like the little kids? So we got a, a picture, Jake, of uh, this morning. Right? This is at the 8.30 service, and then we've got the 11 o'clock service. And then, so is, is it just those kiddos, right? Is raising a generation of faith just for the itty-bitties? I said, I don't think so, right? I think whether you're the, the oldest person in here, there is a, sort of a, an opportunity to raise subsequent generations in faith. And if you're the youngest person in here, Right, there's an opportunity to lead and shepherd some of us with less hair than y'all, right? Uh, and to lead and grow us in our faith as well. That you can't unplug from the community. You can't say, you know what, I've done my time and I'm hanging up my skates. I'm done. But there's always an opportunity to, to raise a generation in faith. As Isaiah says in the scripture, says, a child shall lead them. And so may our children lead us as we lead them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.